In celebration of Women's History Month, this episode of This Week in Royal History will exclusively highlight remarkable women. During this special month, we will not only recognize the birthdays and commemorate the deaths of these women, but also delve into their inspiring life stories and significant contributions to history. Get ready to learn about some truly amazing figures. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Let's take a step back in time and transport ourselves to the medieval era of Europe. Meet Marie, born into royalty as the eldest daughter of King Henry VII, Holy Roman Emperor, and Margaret of Brabant in the year 1304. As a young girl, she was betrothed to Louis of Bavaria, but their engagement was short-lived as Louis passed away in 1311. However, Marie's fate took a new turn when she entered into a second marriage with Charles IV of France in 1322. Charles was desperately seeking a male heir, and Marie was tasked with fulfilling this duty as Queen Consort of France. Her coronation in 1323 was a grand spectacle, marking the beginning of her new role as queen. Marie's journey toward motherhood, however, was fraught with heartbreak as she experienced the loss of two pregnancies. Despite this, she remained steadfast in her duties and was determined to give Charles an heir. But tragedy struck when Marie, at the young age of 20, prematurely gave birth to a son after falling out of a coach and sadly passed away. Her death on the 26th of March, 1324, was a tremendous loss to the French court and marked the ending of a promising life cut short. Continuing on our journey through history, let us leap forward to the late medieval period in Europe and meet Mary, born on the 13th of February, 1457, to Charles, Count of Charolais, and Isabella of Bourbon. Despite her father's three marriages, Mary was his only child and inherited the Duchy of Burgundy after his death. Mary was a sought-after bride and received numerous proposals, but she chose to marry Archduke Maximilian of Austria to avoid a union with the French king. This decision sparked a long-standing conflict between the French and the Habsburgs, eventually culminating in the War of Spanish Succession in the early 18th century. Mary and Maximilian had three children, but unfortunately, their youngest son did not survive infancy. Mary's life was cut short when she suffered a broken back after falling from her horse while hunting with her husband and members of court in early 1482. She passed away several weeks later on the 27th of March at the age of 25 and was buried at the Church of Our Lady in Bruges. Her son, Philip IV, Duke of Burgundy, succeeded her, and through his marriage to one of Castile, 
He later became Philip I of Castile. It's interesting to note that Mary's husband was appointed Maximilian I, Holy Roman Emperor, in 1508, and her grandson was Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor, making Mary an influential figure in shaping European history during this period. Despite her untimely death, Mary's legacy lived on, and her impact on the political landscape of Europe continued to be felt for centuries to come. As we journey through the pages of history, we now come to the story of Anna Amalia, born on the 9th of November, 1723, in Berlin, Prussia, to Frederick William I and Sophia Dorothea of Hanover. Despite being the youngest daughter, she was one of ten siblings to survive into adulthood. Anna Amalia's passion for music was kept hidden from her father, but she was taught various instruments by her eldest brother, the future Frederick II of Prussia, with the encouragement of their mother. Anna Amalia's life took a different turn when she was considered as a potential bride for the crown prince of Sweden in 1744. But her sister, Luisa Ulrika, was chosen instead. However, Anna Amalia did not let this deter her and became the abbess of Quedlinburg, an imperial estate of the Holy Roman Empire. Her new position brought her great wealth, and she spent her days in Berlin composing music, leaving behind a collection of 2,000 volumes that's housed today in the Staatsbibliothek in Berlin. Despite her successes, Anna Amalia died on the 30th of March, 1787, at the age of 63. Her legacy continued to live on through her niece, the daughter of her sister, Louisa, who succeeded her as Princess Abbess. Anna Amalia's contribution to the world of music and her dedication to art and passion served as an inspiration to many and left an indelible mark on the world. And now we arrive at the story of Philippa of Lancaster, born on the 31st of March, 1360 in England to John of Gaunt, 1st Duke of Lancaster, and Blanche of Lancaster. Philippa was a granddaughter of Edward III of England, and she grew up with her siblings, including her brother Henry, who would later become Henry IV of England. Sadly, Philippa's mother passed away when she was just eight years old, and her father went on to remarry twice. His third wife, Catherine Swinford, was Philippa's governess, and she grew close to the renowned poet Geoffrey Chaucer and became a mentor and teacher to Philippa as she grew up. Philippa's life took an exciting turn when she married John I of Portugal on the 14th of February, 1387, by proxy, as part of the alliance between England and Portugal. They finally met 12 days after their marriage, and they went on to have eight children, some of whom would make significant contributions to history. In fact, Philippa is remembered as the mother of the illustrious generation. Despite her many accomplishments, Philippa died from the plague on the 19th of July, 1415, at the age of 55. Our journey now takes us to the story of Catherine of Lancaster, born on the 31st of March in 1373 to John of Gaunt, Duke of Lancaster, and Constance of Castile. 
Her birthright was a significant one, with Constance being the elder daughter of King Peter of Castile and an heiress to the throne since he had no sons. When John and Constance married in 1371, he claimed the throne of Castile through the rights of his wife, setting the stage for a royal power struggle. With the support of Portugal, the Duke and Duchess, along with their daughters, traveled to Castile to press their claim. But by 1387, John had accepted the marriage of his daughter, Catherine, to Henry, son of King John I of Castile, and Constance renounced her claims to the throne. In September 1388, 15-year-old Catherine married 9-year-old Henry in Palencia, Spain, and their union would produce three children before Henry's untimely death in 1406. Catherine's life took another turn, when her one-year-old son, John II of Castile, became king, and she became co-regent alongside Henry's brother, Ferdinand I of Aragon. Despite the challenges of ruling as a woman in a male-dominated society, Catherine rose to the task, leaving behind a legacy of strength and determination. Catherine died on the 2nd of June, 1418, and was buried next to her beloved husband, Interestingly, Catherine's great-granddaughter was Catherine of Aragon, the first wife of Henry VIII, who was named after her, cementing Catherine of Lancaster's place in history as a powerful and influential figure. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. As we finish our journey this week, we come across the intriguing tale of Blanche, born on the 6th of July, 1387, to Charles III of Navarre, and Eleanor of Castile. Blanche became heir to the Kingdom of Navarre after her elder sister passed away in 1413, setting the stage for her ascension to the throne. In May 1402, Blanche married Martin I of Sicily and Prince of Aragon by proxy, and they met for the first time in December of that year. Their union produced one son, who unfortunately passed away in infancy. Blanche proved to be a capable regent in Sicily while Martin was away in Aragon, and she continued to rule after his death in 1409. She was well-liked by the people of Sicily, but was forced to leave in 1415 when Ferdinand I of Aragon annexed the region. Returning to Navarre, Blanche was sworn in as the heir in October 1415 and married her second cousin John in 1419. I'm not going to try and pronounce his title, although one did not survive to adulthood. Blanche ascended to the throne as Blanche I of Navarre in her own right in 1425 after her father's death, and she ruled jointly with her husband, who was crowned king, alongside her in May 1429. Blanche died on the 1st of April 1441 at the age of 53 leaving behind a legacy of strength, determination, and political savvy. 
Her eldest son was excluded from inheriting the throne by John, who continued to rule as King of Navarre. Blanche was succeeded by their youngest daughter, Eleanor, in 1479, further cementing her place in history as a powerful and influential queen. And that concludes this week in royal history. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I'm Rebecca Larson. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.